all of the Word of God. So we recently just finished the book of Titus. And one of the things that we want to do is we, we want to take a chance and actually just hear the entire book read in one sitting. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sing here in a moment. And then we're going to have people get up and they're going to read through the entire book of Titus. Nobody freak out. It's only three very short chapters. So it's not going to be an hour of reading. Uh, not even close. Um, and then we'll sing some more and then I'll get up and do a little recap of the book of Titus and then I'll guide us in a time of response. And let me just highlight how we want this to go for you so you're not just kind of lost about what we're trying to do here. Uh, one of the things we want to have happen for you is you, as you either listen to the book or follow along in your Bibles, we want you to experience the book of Titus in one big chunk. It, it was a letter originally meant to be read in one sitting. And so it's not meant to be read one sentence at a time one week at a time. It's meant to be in like one giant email. So we want you to hear that experience in one giant letter. That's what the early church would have done. And here's what else we want to have happen. We want you to remember the things that you learned about God from his word. Over the last 14 weeks, we've been spending time in the book of Titus. And so as you hear the passages and you hear the things that, that God has said through the book of Titus, we want that to remind you of the things you learned over the last 14 weeks. And we also want it to cause you to celebrate that the fact that, man, there is some work that he did in our hearts in this time, right? Like it wasn't just we came and listened to sermons. It, there was something that God was doing in our hearts. So we don't want to just remember what we learned. We want to celebrate what God did in our hearts. Every little thing, every small growth, every big growth, we'll take a moment as you hear it to celebrate the work that God did in your life. And then we also want to recommit to obey. If there's anything as you hear these verses that you remember that God touched your heart on, said, I want you to do this. I want you to obey this. I want you to love this person. I want you to serve this person. Listen, we want you to remember that and we want you to recommit to actually obey, to move in action with what you heard from God and his word. So we want to get in one sitting. We want to remember what you learned. We want to celebrate what God did and we want you to recommit to obey the things that God called you to. So that, I know that's a whole lot. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we're going to stand and sing. All right, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, um, God, we're, we're gathered here together, and God, we, we just, we want to hear from you. We, we want to hear from you. We, we, want, we want to encounter you in your word. God, we want to worship you and praise you. And God, I'm praying right now that you would be in our midst. I'm praying that you would meet us here. And simple, something as simple as just hearing the word and singing songs to you. God, we're praying that you would show yourself strong. God, I pray you would give us all very tender hearts towards you and your spirit and your word. God, help us to hear what you would say to us. We pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen. Titus 1.1, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and, the, and at the proper time manifest in his word through the preaching which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus, my true child, and common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders over every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, children or believers, 
not open to the charge of debauchery and insubordination, for the overseers, as God's stewards, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine, but also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are, are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of the of their own said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoted, devoting themselves to the Jewish myths and the commands of the people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Titus 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, and to be self-controlled, pure, working from home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not proliferating, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live a self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own profession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. Chapter 3, 
remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. All right, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we believe that you're strong. God, we believe that you're worthy and that you're great. And God, we also believe that we're weak and needy. And those two combined would be bad, but God, mixed in there is your grace and your mercy and your kindness and your love. God, we're here to worship you because you're worthy. And God, we're able to worship you because you're kind and merciful and patient. God, we're here for you today. So God, I pray to take a few minutes to, to pause and consider what we've seen in the book of Titus. God, would you still keep working in our hearts? God, I pray you would still speak. I pray you would use weak voices and weak men and women. You'd use weak people to use your strong message to, to work in our hearts. God, I'm asking you to give us hearts to hear. And I ask that you would help me to teach. And I'm praying that all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. All right, now, now listen, if you're used to being here, you're probably nervous that you're about to get a 45-minute message from me. And the good news is, no, I'm going to go 50 minutes. I'm just kidding. We're not, we're not going to go that long. I, I do want to take a try to do something that is difficult for me, and that's to actually summarize the entire book of Titus and highlight one theme that I saw. Okay, only one theme, so nobody freak out. We're not, I'm not going to 
do 20 points. I'm going to do one theme that stood out to me this week as I was reading through the book, book of Titus over and over and over again. Um, and that one theme was about good, the good works that the gospel produces in us. Before I get there, let me just give a high level view of the book. So Paul is writing to young Titus. He's left Titus on the luxury island of Crete in the Mediterranean. And it is a beautiful, luxurious, beautiful water, awesome beaches. At least that's what the internet says. I don't know if that's true or not, but Crete is phenomenal. And he leaves Titus there because he's gone through several villages in Titus and planted a ton of churches because apparently Paul can just plant a church in a week because he's got some kind of crazy skill set at that. But he leaves Titus there to finish establishing these brand new churches. They're brand new churches. They don't know how church is supposed to work. They're brand new believers. They don't know how they're supposed to work. Like he leaves them there and he, he gives these instructions. Chapter one, he lays out this. Titus, here's what I need you to do. Set up the church leadership. You appoint elders in every town and they need to be rock solid elders. You don't need some wishy-washy dudes. You don't need some guys that are gonna sway back and forth. You need guys that are solid. They've got solid character that's been worked on them by the, the gospel work of Jesus, that he's done a work in them, that they're the real deal. Don't put fake guys up there. Don't just put good communicators up there. Put men who have godly character in the role of elders in every church that we've established. That's your first order of business. That's, that's what he does in chapter one. He lays out the qualifications of leadership, compares them to false teachers. Chapter two, he goes through, he says, listen, it's not just teachers and elders you've got to get squared away. It's the teaching, the doctrine of the church you've got to get squared away. So he lays out for him how this church is supposed to be connected throughout the generations. It's not just a young church and an old church. It's all the generations and all the cultures merged together into one church. Young and old, every race that's on Crete, they're all mixed together in the island of Crete. And he says, listen, have them interact with each other and teach each other how to live godly lives. Get the leadership right, get the teaching right. And then in chapter three, he focuses on how the church is supposed to live out the mission in their city how they're supposed to live obedient, submissive lives. Basically, how do they serve their neighbors? How do they live a life that's worthy of the gospel to the people around them in Crete, to a culture that was against them, to a culture and a government that could persecute them at any moment? Like this was the real deal. This is Paul's message to Titus. And as I was reading over this, and what I did this week is I read it several times through in, in several different versions. And I, I noticed this one theme of gospel good works. And I just want to highlight that for you real quick. So I'm going to read a whole bunch of verses, okay? They'll be on the screen or you can follow along in your Bible, which is probably better. But let's do this. Titus chapter one, verse one. Now, remember, I'm showing you a theme of good works from Paul in this book. Chapter one, verse one, he says this. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And, and what's his purpose here? For the sake of the faith of God's elect, and their knowledge of the truth. Listen, I want Christians to have faith in Jesus and I want them to know the truth. And look at this next part. Which accords with godliness. Listen, I, here, here's what I'm doing, Titus. I'm Paul, I'm an apostle. I've got this mission that God's given me. I wanna see everyone place their trust in Jesus and I want them to know the truth of who he is in a way that produces godly living. It produces godliness. The gospel produces godly living. Not your effort, 
not some guilt trip. It's a gospel work that happens in our hearts and it produces godliness. Look at verse 16. Paul's talking about false teachers and he, he compares them to people who really know the truth and he says this, these false teachers profess to know God. They say they know him. They say they believe in Jesus, but they deny him how? By their works. Listen, he's saying there's a gospel thing that's supposed to happen in our heart that produces works and you can deny God. You prove you don't believe in the gospel of Jesus when your works don't line up with that gospel. That's, that seems like it's a big emphasis on works. He even says this, he gets real feisty. They're detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. You seen the theme here? Let me show you chapter two, verse one. It says, but as for you, you're not like these dirtbag teachers. That's I'm gonna, my words, not his. He used worse words than dirtbag. You're not like these dirtbags. That's not you. You teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then do you remember all the teaching he gave in chapter two? Hey, old men, live like this. Probably self-controlled. Older women, there's none in this church, but if we ever had any, older women, you live self-controlled, godly lives. Younger ladies, again, it's in there, self-controlled. Younger men, self-controlled. Listen, sound doctrine equals right living. That's his whole sound doctrine thing. He does it again, and, and I want you to see this right here. Look at chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And this right here is almost the heartbeat of these good works. He says this in verse 11, for the grace or, or the kindness or the favor, whatever word helps you understand this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Listen, the grace of God showed up and his name is Jesus and he's gracious and he's kind and he's merciful. And here's what he did. He brought salvation for everyone. He made it possible for every man, woman, and child in every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue, in every generation, to be saved. That's the grace of God, right? Y'all can clap. Y'all should clap for that. It's okay. Okay. Listen, if you're going to clap though, you got to get after it. Don't give me a, you got to get it. Okay. Anyways. All right. That's not, anyways, let me keep reading here. Listen, the grace of God showed up and it brought salvation for all of us. But look at what else it did. Verse 12, training us. Well, what did the grace of God do? It trained us to do a few things, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. The grace of God, the salvation of God, taught us to say no to sin. That's a good work, in case you were wondering. Look at what else it did. It didn't just teach us to say no to sin and train us how to do that. It also trained us to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. You see that the grace of God produces works in you. Listen, works do not produce grace. We get that backwards in the church way too often. I see works, therefore you must have grace. No, 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 no. We want the type of works that are produced because there's been a gracious work of Jesus in our heart. Not some guilt trip, not some duty, not some obligation. We want your hearts to burn for Jesus, to be changed by him and to produce good works. Verse 14, look at what else says about Jesus in that same line. So Jesus, 
who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. Listen, Jesus gave himself to redeem us, to save us, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. He wanted to make us all his people. He didn't want to make us all Americans. He didn't want to make us all whatever country you're from. He didn't want to make us a certain nationality. He wanted to make us his people. And look at how he describes these people. Who are zealous for good works. Like the goal of Jesus saving us, that his intention was not only just to save us, but to cause something to happen in us that actually produces good works. Not just a few good works, zealous for good works. That's a crazy word. Zealous. Not, I guess I have time for that. It's the thing that's burning and you can't say no to it. Not the good works I have planned for you. The, the good works that Jesus has planned for you. That we should be zealous for those. That's, that's what the gospel does in us. And I love this theme in the book of Titus. Let me look at uh, chapter 3, verse 8. He just goes into a gospel rant in the verses before it. Verses 3 through 7. And it's straight gospel gold, in case you're wondering. Okay, you can... We've done that before. You can read it on your own time. But verse 8 says this. The saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things. Like the gospel's trustworthy. And you insist on it. So that those who have believed in God may be what? Careful to devote. That's another strong word like zealous. To devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Listen, over and over and over again in the book of Titus, he has this theme that's been happening. Like, listen, we want the church to be established and set up, but there's this gospel, this strong, good, and gracious gospel that makes a people zealous, devoted, committed to doing good, I mean really good works. That's good news, you guys. And, and that's, that's a challenge for us as a church. Like all these things have been challenging. What leadership is supposed to look like, that, that feels challenging. It feels like there's work to do. And, and what the teaching is supposed to look like and crossing generations feels like there's work to do. And chapter three, man, we're talking about being submissive in, in, this, in this context and being gentle. Listen, that takes, there's, a, there's work we have to do, but all of those good works are rooted in the gospel truth of Jesus. And I want you to see how Paul wraps up this book. Look at chapter 3, verse 12. You, we just read it. He's wrapping up and he's saying, listen, when I send Artemis, this is verse 12, when I send Artemis or Tychicus, Tychicus, I, I don't know how to say that name, T, when I send T to you, when I send Artemis or T to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I've decided to spend the winter there. Like, listen, Titus, there's so much work to do. You're not going to get it done. I don't want you to be in, there in Crete forever. I'm sending Artemis and T called him Tychicus because he could say his name. I can't. I'm sending these two guys to you, the A-team. I'm sending them to you, and here's what they're going to do. They're going to take your place. They're going to keep setting up elders. They're going to keep making sure the teaching is good. They're going to keep establishing these churches, but I need you to come and hang out with me in Nicopolis because that's where I'm going to spend the winter. 
He says this in verse 13. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. Like before you go, make sure you send these missionary guys out and give them all the funding they need. I don't want them wondering where their next meal's coming from. You make sure these churches take care of their needs. It's a whole sermon in and of itself. But look at this in verse 14. And let, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. And look at this qualification. So as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Listen, he's like, I don't want you just busy with a whole bunch of good works. Like you make sure they're ready when they see an urgent need that they're devoted, especially things of urgent need so that they're not unfruitful. That's a rough word right there unfruitful. Is it possible for a people who have met Jesus to be unfruitful? Is it possible for the church of the living God who sent his son to pursue with radical love and grace lost people and died on a cross and he had the power to come back from the dead? Is it possible for a church to be unfruitful? Yes. It's possible for a people to be unfruitful. It's possible for a group of people called the church to be unfruitful. Listen, church, I don't want us to be an unfruitful church. It, if we learn to be a people that hear the word but don't do anything with it, we will learn to be an unfruitful people. If we learn that we just be satisfied with attending, just showing up, we will learn to be unfruitful People, If church is just about being an observer or an attender or a casual bystander, we will learn to be unfruitful people. Listen, if we're, if we're able to see needs all the time, if we're able to see urgent needs all the time and never be moved to good works, we will learn to be an unfruitful people. And that is not God's will for us. He wants us to be fruitful. I'm talking crazy fruitful. I'm not saying pack out the rat. Listen, if you fill this place up, I'm great with that. You're not going to hear me whine about that. But, but that's not what I mean when I say fruitful. Because that's not what he means when he says fruitful. He means devoted to good works. I mean, your lives are saturated with good works for the needy around you. Church, is that true of us? So I want it to be, but I want to make sure we go about it in the right way. And I don't want you to walk out of here and say, I'm going to be more fruitful. I'm going to go find some needs. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do what chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 said. It's the grace of God it's, that brings salvation. It's that grace that trains us to say no to sin and to live righteous lives. It's that grace. So here's what we do. I want you just, us to be people that dig deep into Jesus, dig deep into his mercy and his gospel and his word. I mean deep, that your roots are going deep, 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 deep. Always, you find yourself constantly running back to Jesus and his word for more grace and more mercy and more gospel and more life coming from the word. It's equipping us for every good work. That's what I want us to be. We start in the word with the gospel foundation laying it and then I want it to produce 
action in us. Church, I, I think you've been hearing the word for a while. I think you have access to the word all the time. It's on your phones. You, you probably have multiple copies of this at home. Most of them with dust. You, you have every opportunity to dig deeply into the word. You, have every, you know what the good news is. The question is this. Will we be a people where the gospel produces fruit and good works? Or will that fruit get aborted somewhere in the process because we're either too busy or, or too distracted? Listen, the gospel is stronger than that. So church, let's be a people who are committed to good works. Does that sound good? Okay, for the 10 of us who are gonna do that, I'm just kidding. Listen, I, I want that to sound good to you and I don't want that to feel like a burden. I, I want it to be this thing where, where literally what happens is you've tasted so much grace, you can't help but give it to other people. You, you see what I'm saying there? That's totally different than the guilt train is riding on your back and you're rolling out of here saying, I guess I better volunteer in kids ministry now because if I don't, I'm a bum, right? Like I'm, I'm gonna be unfruitful. That's, that's not where I'm headed here. I, I'm talking about our hearts beat fast for Jesus and we're shocked by the grace that he's shown us and it does something in us. We want everyone to taste that grace. We become ambassadors of the grace of Jesus to every man, woman, and child in our city. And we, we can't walk by and not find some way to pour out grace on those around us. Then we get in this room gathered together. There's other people, brothers and sisters, who have tasted the grace of Jesus, and we can't help but be with each other and dump grace on one another. That's a lot different then listen, you better show up. You better get to work. No, no, you better fall in love with Jesus and let him just dump grace on you in a way that it's overflowing to those around you. Church, that's God's plan for us as a church. And I don't know what good works he's calling you to, but I pray you would do it by the power of his gospel grace and not your own. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm gonna guide us in a time of response here. And listen, I want to ask you a couple questions. Um, just right there in your seat for you to think through. Listen, for some of you, as we read the book of Titus, uh, and I'm talking about this good news, the thing that's happening in your heart right now is, but you may have grown up in church or maybe not, but you've never heard this good news that Jesus is kind and gracious. That what he offers you is not only just forgiveness, but relationship with him. He offers you forgiveness and relationship he offers to give you a new heart and adopt you as sons and daughters into the family. Like He offers all this, not if you get to work and be good, but if you place your trust in what he did, that he died on the cross for us and he came back to life three days later. Listen, if you've never placed your trust in Jesus, if you've never encountered him in a way that changed you, listen, I wanna encourage you today right there in your seat to stop trusting in anything else to make you good and I want you to put all your chips in the basket of the work of Jesus to change you and make you good. You need to ask him to save you. If you've never done that, you can do that right here in your seat. Some of you who read through the book of Titus, you, uh, you're reminded of all the failures that you have. Maybe the book of Titus, maybe all your failures were already on your shoulders. You walked in the door today. So can I remind you of the good news? 
The good news is that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for all of your failures and mine, and he bore that burden for you. Not only that, but he gave you a new identity. You aren't a failure anymore. You're clean. You're a son. You're a daughter. Fully accepted. Listen, would you take those failures and cast those onto Jesus and let him put his cleanness on you? For some of you, it's not your failures. You, you come in here exhausted. You're wore out from whatever it is. You, maybe you've been serving Jesus. Maybe you've been just doing life. But you see these commands of Titus and like, I don't, I don't know, man. Being committed to good works, it's hard enough to be committed to my family. You want me to be committed to needy around me. I feel needy. Listen, I want to remind you that the good news is not just that Jesus cleans you. The good news is that he came back from the dead and he offers power to enable you to live radical lives. And for whatever command you felt he was calling you to, would you run to him for grace to be able to do that? Maybe for you, you aren't struggling with failure. You're not struggling with fear of obedience. Maybe you're just overwhelmed at how gracious and merciful God is. And your response is, I want you just to worship him right there in your seat. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And, and when I pray, we're going to stand up. We're going to sing one last song to Jesus. But, but during that song, if you feel like you need to pray and you want to come forward, we'll open up this altar. You can be down here. Our pastors will be down front. We'll have decision counselors around. Um, if you need to speak to someone, we'd love to talk to you. If you want to pray at this altar, you can do that. If you want to just stand in your seat and sing praise to Jesus, you can do that as well. Would you Let me pray and then we'll stand and sing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you right now and we just say this, um, we love you. God, we're grateful that you're merciful and patient. But God, I'm asking that you would do a work in this church, that you would do a work in my life, a gospel work that would change us to the point that we would be radically committed and devoted to doing good works, especially for those who are in urgent need. We pray that all in Jesus' name.